Let us turn now in God's holy and infallible word to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. This evening we're going to be looking at just two verses from the beginning of this letter of Peter. It's a general epistle, not written to any one specific church, but written to many churches in this part of the world he's addressing. It says Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. This is modern day Turkey to us. And in these opening verses, ones you might read and perhaps not pay much attention to. This is in some ways a very ordinary greeting. You'll see it in many epistles. Uh, very much a normal greeting that may be given by Paul or anyone else. But it also contains much spiritual truth and blessings in this one salutation, this one greeting at the beginning of Peter's letter. It really brings out, and what we're going to be looking at this evening, is the source of our blessings as believers in Jesus Christ, where all this comes from and originates from. And it is good to remind ourselves, no matter what is happening in our lives, no matter how difficult our lives may become at times, no matter how challenging, no matter how many things may come into our lives in terms of suffering, pain, and loss, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this speaks of you. Even if you're young or you're old, Regardless of what the case may be, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, what Peter is writing about here, under the inspiration of the Spirit of Almighty God, these blessings belong to you and they have the same source, the same wonderful source in Almighty God. And we pray, dear brethren, that this short greeting may lead us to praise and gladness at the end of this Sabbath day to a joy and a rejoicing that may fill our hearts and bless us for the week ahead. So we'll read these two verses now. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let us hear God's holy word. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. It is so easy, especially in our modern day of plenty, to take things for granted, to take things for granted. Uh, this morning, perhaps for your breakfast, you opened your fridge and perhaps there were eggs there, perhaps there was milk, perhaps there were other things, uh, sausages, eggs, rashers, all sorts of good things that we can eat for breakfast. Uh, cereal in our cupboards. And we may grow up in a generation that thinks, well, where did all these things come from? Uh, where does the milk come from? Well, 
Does it just come from the supermarket? And I think perhaps we are getting closer and closer to a generation that doesn't rely on so much work. Hard work goes into farming and, and dairy farming and, and producing that milk that we have in our fridges. Little things like this, milk, cheese, all these things we take for granted that we have in our homes, fresh things our grandparents, great-grandparents would probably have known little about. Yes, they would have had these things, but not with the same ease we have them today. I say this because if we are a bit disconnected from where these things come from, we can forget the source. And when we forget the source, we can forget the blessings of those things that we have in our possession. All the hard work that went into making it possible that you could enjoy what you enjoy at the breakfast table in the morning. And that is just one simple example. Many places around the world have a thing called UHT milk. It's not very nice, but it's there. Um, a lot of hard work goes into it, having fresh things. And to appreciate it is good. I think it's probably even good if children went to farms and to see all the work that goes into it. Because they go, wow, look at all the things that are happening. And look at all the process. Look at all the things that they're doing. And our children would appreciate, wouldn't they? All the work that goes into the food that we enjoy. Well, what about spiritual blessings? Something that's far more important than even our, our physical food and our tables, as important as that is. Spiritual blessings in Christ and the source of where these things come from. There's the same danger of taking these things for granted. We have these blessings. We kind of know we have them, but we don't really think about where they come from, where they start, where's the point of origin, or where is the source. Uh, perhaps, and this is the danger if we forget these things, we can think we're better in some way than the lost. Not a scary thought. Think of those people. You're witnessing to them. You're sharing the gospel with them. Perhaps you may even get frustrated at times because they're not getting it. They're not seeing that they're a sinner. The danger is we think, oh, are we better than they? And of course, if we know the gospel, we're not. In no way. We can drift from the purity of the gospel. Perhaps neglecting what has been given to us. Forgetting the source. The source is not us. The source is not our change. The source is outside of ourselves. The source is God himself. To understand the source of our blessings here this evening brethren. Should make us worship the triune God. Any truth we learn here this evening. If it is truly important to drive us to worship the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for his power and to see how we are undeserving of these blessings, changing us into different people by his grace, the source of our blessings being God himself. The first point we're going to look at here this evening in these first two verses is the source of authority. The source of authority, number one. Peter is writing here in our text to, to believers in various parts of what is today modern-day Turkey. Uh, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered 
throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Back then, what is now classified as Turkey was broken into, into these little parts called Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And Peter does not come in his own name, does he? When he's writing to these Christians, he's writing in the authority of another. Uh, Peter is here called an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle of Jesus Christ. He doesn't just say, Peter, and then addresses him immediately. No, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus the Christ, the, the Messiah himself. Why is this important? Well, Peter is a sent one. That's what an apostle means. An apostle is someone sent. He is sent by who? Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? If you gave a message to someone and, and you're passing on the message, someone else is sending you, you're really delivering their message. Their message. Peter is sent with the one with authority, Jesus Christ. If you ever work in a big company and perhaps the, the, the owner or the big boss, you could say, is coming around to visit and to check up on things, there's probably a good chance your work will get better that day for some strange reason. And you're going to put harder work in. Because why? Because the person with authority is coming. The person who you might want to impress by working harder. People usually be on their best behavior. They may even feel greatly blessed to have a chance to have a few minutes talk with that person. Have you ever had that? Perhaps you've had a chance to speak to someone who's royalty. Perhaps they're a duke somewhere. And he took two minutes out of his time and he talked to me. We feel blessed just to be in the presence sometimes, don't we? To talk to somebody like that. Perhaps you want to make a good first impression. The higher the position, the more deserving of that position, and there's none more deserving than Jesus Christ, the more blessed it is to be addressed by them. Isn't that true? The more higher the position, and the more deserving of that position, I put that down as well because there's many people in authority and we may think they're not that deserving of that position in, in, in the world. But there's none more deserving than Jesus Christ and none higher than Jesus Christ to be addressed by him. This is the blessing that the, uh, that the believer has. This is the blessing that these believers in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia had. They were being addressed Yes, by Peter, but really by Christ himself. He's being sent by Christ. And so, with that blessing that it comes to being addressed by them. Peter is a herald. A herald. A messenger of another. He doesn't come in his own name. He doesn't come in his own authority. In the ancient world, the herald was seen as a representative. A deliverer of the master's message. Uh, put it another way. If the herald said it, the master said it. And it was very serious business to ever meddle with or change the message. The job of a herald, the job of a messenger, is not to change it or tamper it. It's to give it in all its fullness, 
It all it is to be. The master said it, so the herald must say it also. When you hear the word preached, friends, it's not a blessing because of the man, the mere dust that is in the pulpit. It is because of the God who is addressing you. Think about that. No matter how much the limitations may be in any preacher, myself included, the blessing comes not in the preacher per se, he's a mere instrument. It comes in the God who is addressing you. There would be little blessing coming from listening to a mere man. It is a blessing because of the authority addressing you in the word. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you heard when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as as it is in truth, the word of God. Which, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It was a view held by many of the reformers that if the word of God is faithfully preached according to the word of God, that too is the word preached. That it too is the word of God. But as it is in truth, the word of God. Put it another way, we are to receive the, the preached word, the delivered word, as a word from the master. There's a power in that source. Again, it is all to do with the power of the source. It is to do with the authority of the source. It is to do with that. And that is the, the wonderful blessing that we have in Jesus Christ. This is where all authority comes from. This same authority. Where this word is delivered, when Peter is writing to these, these Christians, that authority he has is the authority by which all authorities bow. The central and ultimate authority that commands all that happens in the universe. Can you imagine this, friends? He commands the sun, the moon, and the stars. He commands the oceans to come up to this level and stop and cease and go no further. And he is the same one addressing you here this evening. It's a wonderful thing. And that word has the same power. The oceans, the winds all obey. And the question is, do you? I know we all fall short. I know our greatest deeds, our greatest two minutes would send us to hell. I know this. But do you love God? Does it grieve you when you do sin? Because you see the, the blessing of this authority. A person who rebels and turns from God's commandment. Really at that time does not see the source of the blessing. It's a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. To be in his presence and, and listen to him. In the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. When it says. Hear O Israel. Another way of saying that is. Obey O Israel. The word Shema in Hebrew means. Obey or hear. And to hear the, the master. Is to really obey the master. To bow our ear to him. The greater we see his greatness. 
uh, more willing you are to serve. And it's not, a bl- it's not a burden. If we see it as a blessing, if we see him and his authority as the source of blessing, it's not a burden to follow him. It is a message from the king. And dear friends, are you expecting to hear from the king today that there's, there's good food from the word to change and conform you, to bring you to a place of safety and refuge in him? So we've looked at the source of authority. Now, number two, we're going to look at the source of asylum. The source of asylum, or the word asylum, you can think of the word refuge or safety. It says in verse 1, once again, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And here we're going to be focusing on the phrase, to the strangers, to the strangers scattered. Now, when we hear the word strangers today, we usually think of the word, well, we don't know the person. That's what it means in in modern English, but this is not really what it means here, as it's translated here in the authorized version. The word here, strangers, is someone really a foreigner, an exile, someone away from their own home. That's the sense here. Away from their homeland in a place that is not their home. Now, these exiles who are being addressed here by Peter are mainly, probably mainly from Judea. They're spread in various different parts, mostly, probably, mainly ethnic Jews. This way of addressing the people Peter writes is really interesting as the letter itself, if you read through 1 Peter, the letter really deals with suffering. There's a, it's a big theme in Peter's letter. Suffering comes up time and time again. And how to live in a hostile world. This is a world waking up to the fact that Christianity is growing. We don't like this. How to deal with that. And so in here, there's also a lot of pictures of Jewish references in the letter. In context of this suffering. So in the exile, God's people are away from their home. And if we look back to the history of Israel, if we look back to the history of Judah, can we think of anything more suffering and painful than the exile? When they were away from their home, when they were captives in Babylon. We think of Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, there we wept. It's very interesting, and a lot of suffering in this letter. There's a lot of. So, this is a very painful subject for them. Strangers or foreigners or aliens. This is the idea of strangers here. They're away from their home. And isn't it very fitting that we could even ourselves be referred to as foreigners? or strangers, or aliens, on this earth. Why is that? Because this world is not our home, is it? We too are, in a sense, exiles from our own home. Where is our home? That home in heaven. Because, dear friends, if this world is your home, the world to come is not. 
It says, love not the world, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, we're not talking about the creation. We're not talking about the heavens declare the glory of God. That is wonderful. We're talking about this fallen world. We're talking about this fallen world that loves sin. That's what we mean here. This world is not our home. We do not love it because we suffer in it, don't we? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this world makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? There's sin everywhere. There's darkness. And a large amount of us longs to be absent from the body and is to be present with the Lord. That's the way we are. As believers, this home, this world is not our home. We long for our true home. We long for our heavenly Jerusalem, or as Pilgrim's Progress would put it, our celestial city, our heavenly king. And this is the source of our asylum. This is the source of our refuge. This is the source of our comfort, our joy, our protection, our eternal comfort. Not this fallen world. Where is your home, dear friends? Where is your home? And this will determine how you view this earth. If, if this earth is your home, you will never want to leave it. You will never want to leave it. And you can see, don't you, the people around you, unbelievers, they dread, absolutely dread death. Now, death is an enemy, no doubt. But they have a terror of death because there's a part of their conscience that knows what's coming afterwards. They're surrounded by the evidence of God and they are absolutely terrified. There are people so terrified of death, they are perhaps a few years away from it and they don't want to talk about it. It's a scary reality. Because this world is their home. They are not strangers scattered throughout the world. But dear friends, take comfort. If this world is not your home, if you are, in a sense, not comfortable in the world and it's sin and other things, you are really in exile. Traveling at this point in time toward your own home. One day you will get there. Not because of ourselves, but because of the, the Savior who rescued you. And that, when you see this world is not your home, what's your purpose in this world? What is your purpose in this world? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You see, your focus will be completely different. People spend so much on their homes, don't they? Well, where is our home? Heaven, eternity, and enjoy Him forever. Home truly is, isn't it, where the heart is. So, the source of authority, the source of asylum. Number three now, the source of allegiance. The source of allegiance, or you could say our loyalty to him. Our loyalty to God. Who we are committed to and from where does this come from? Why are we here? Why are we not out there doing all that the world wants to do with its time on a Sabbath evening? Why are we here? Why are we here? 
This part of the salutation is greeting by Peter brings us to the work of the Trinity in salvation. It says in verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And then it speaks about the, the work of the Spirit through sanctification of the Spirit. And then talks about the Lord Jesus Christ unto, the, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Why are we here? We have been chosen as his people to serve him. Part of God's army. He is the Lord of hosts. Or another way of saying that is the Lord of armies. Powerful, mighty. If you are a believer, if you've repented of your sins and looked to him, look to him. Then this describes you. God the Father chose you before there ever was time. Now this is speaking about eternity past. Isn't this amazing? Eternity past. Before Genesis 1.1. Before Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Even before that, in the beginning of Genesis 1.1. God chose you. You, a believer in Jesus Christ. Before there was ever a sun, before there was ever a moon, before there were ever stars in the sky, before there was ever any fall of Adam. This is the source of why we're here. It begins in eternity past. It begins with God. He chose us, not because we chose him. You see, at the beginning, the source of our blessings, because we can think, and I've heard this from somebody saying to me, I, I got saved years ago, I got, was saved in 2009, and somebody asked me, when did you get saved? I was 24 years old when I got saved. I oh, was like, oh, you're, you're much better than I was. I got saved when I was older. The danger is we think, ah, oh, I'm somehow better because I got saved when I was younger or I got saved whatever the stage I was at. It's of God's mercy that we're saved at all. He chose us not because we chose him. If the Lord, and I speak this reverently, if the Lord was waiting for any of us out of our own strength and our own desire to come to him, none of us would. Not one of us would be here this evening. Not one of us would be here wishing to worship him. We're here because he chose us before the foundation of the world. It says in John 15, 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Could Jesus be more clear? Ye have not chosen me. You are not the source of your blessings. The difference between you and your lost neighbor is not because of you. It says, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. 
And the good fruit is part of this, even here this evening. He said, where's the good fruit in my life? You're here. And if you want to worship God and you are worshiping God, God is part of that good fruit. The source of our blessings comes forth from this election. This choice of God, this sovereign choice of God or the selection of God. Now we say, well, why did God choose me? Why not? I mean, we think of so many other people. There is a reason, dear friends. The reason we're told in the scriptures is this, because God chose to set his love upon you. God chose to set his love upon you. It tells us here in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 to 8. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 to 8. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Verse 7, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you are more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. Why did he choose you? Because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep an oath that he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He didn't pick Israel in the Old Testament because, oh look, there's so many of them, I'm going to pick them. There was nothing in them. There was nothing obvious about them when he chose them as a people. Why? Because he loved them. Why has he chosen us? Because he loves us. He is the source of our blessings. There's nothing in us. There's nothing in us that would make us more lovable than the person who doesn't come to church and hates God. The person who will go on into eternity and spend eternity in hell. The difference is God. The difference between that, us and those people who go on the wide road to destruction. You see, dear friends, the difference is not us. The difference is God. And that should make us be in awe of him. I remember first coming across the doctrine of election. You see, this is not some cold intellectual fact. Oh, he chose me. Isn't that wonderful? We move on with our day. The doctrine of election should humble us to our very core. I still remember this to this day. I was cycling home from work and the, the thought of the fact that, imagine if I, he didn't choose me. It's all in God's hands. And I remember just cycling home and tears just coming down my eyes. And I had to pull over at the side of the road. See, dear friends, this, this truth ought to humble us. Nothing inside ourselves. It's because of God and because of God alone. And if it were not for, for that election, none of us would be here. None of us would love God. None of us would care. We would continue on in our way. We would continue on in that wide road that leadeth unto destruction. And many there be that go thereat. And it says here as well, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, let us not misunderstand that to meaning God just looks down and he's going to see 
who's going to respond to him. He's going to see who is going to trust in him. This is not what this means. Our God does not learn anything. If you see any system of theology that tells you that God learns something and looks down the corridors of time, that is not the God of the scriptures. Our God does not change. He knows because he has decreed it. He does not learn anything. He is not a creature. We are the creatures. He willed it, so he knows it. He controls all that comes to pass. He knows everything. And so when he says of his foreknowledge, it's as a result of him bringing it to pass himself. It shows us his power, but it also shows us his mercy and his love. And it shows us the source of our blessings. The source of, the source of our blessings really goes back to eternity past. Eternity, beyond time, before time. To the one who is beyond time. It's amazing, isn't it, dear friends? That any of us have these blessings at all. Number four now. The source of alteration. Alteration, you could say, or change in us. The, soul, the source of alteration. So we've looked at the source of allegiance in us, our loyalty to him. Why are we here at all? Why, why do we follow God? It's from eternity past. But here in this next point, we're going to look at why have we changed in time? Our blessings come from God before the foundation of the world. But how did we change in time? In time. It says here in our text, through sanctification of the Spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit, unto obedience. Unto obedience. We've been given a new heart, we've been changed. And this is applied in time. There was a time when we were enemies of God. All of us. But there was a time when it pleased God to call us forth and to bring us into union and communion with him. And remember how I say this, it pleased God. God does not wait for when it pleases us. That would never happen. We come to him because he's changed us. It says here in Galatians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16, Paul the apostle speaks about his own conversion. Because remember he was on the road to Damascus to persecute the church. And as soon as he sees the risen, he's had a change of heart, he's different. And he describes it here in Galatians, it says, but when it pleased God, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. And again, the difference is God. The change in our lives from sin to Christ, it comes from God's power. So even if we have massively changed and people can barely recognize us, oh, look at the difference in your life. It's all from God. Whatever differences there's been in our sanctification and repentance over many years, 
the, the temptation is to think, oh, look, I'm doing pretty, I'm doing pretty great. It's all of God. It's, it's a work of his spirit. The word here, sanctification, has in a sense the, the, the original kind of the word of holiness or set apart. Now, we're not set apart to our own interests. We're set apart to the interests of another, and that's God. That's what it means to be holy, to be set apart, dedicated, given over to God. To say, I am not my own. I do not belong to me. I belong to another. And that is the greatest thing ever. That is the greatest thing ever. We turn from unrighteousness and sin to holiness in Christ, belonging to him. Now, if we belong to him, we need to hear the master's commands and instructions. What should I do in these situations? We could read the book of Proverbs to fill our minds full of wisdom. We could read the Gospels to learn of Jesus Christ. To see love being exemplified and shown to us. Because if we're given over to holiness and dedication to God, we would be concerned about what? What pleases you, O God? Not what pleases me. Not what pleases me. Because there's a good chance of something we like to do right now, it doesn't please God. And you know what we should do? We say, Lord, please change my heart. Change me so that I no longer wish to do that thing. Give me... It's not like, an, it's not like a light switch, is it? Repentance. We can make it very mechanical. We can kind of grit our teeth and I'm not going to do that anymore. But if you do that, you're going to fall back into that old sin. You need new appetites. Even in your growing in your sanctification... You need to love God more and also hate that sin more. And if you're dedicated to God, see, it's not just a, hey, here's a list of 10 things I'm not going to do anymore. It's what is pleasing to God. And may that be more pleasing to me. And how am I changed? How am I thinking like this? How is this even possible? The Holy Spirit. Through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience. And if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, this would not happen. The source of your good desires is the Holy Spirit. You are excited to come to church. That's the Holy Spirit. You're excited to hear the, the gospel preach. That's the Holy Spirit. You're excited to sing the Psalms. With joy and peace in your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. You love believers in Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit. You pray for believers in Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. Now you may be here. You may also be struggling. And you may also be thinking. Well I'm also doing these other things. I may have these good desires. But I can't believe I've done. Name the sin. There may be a sin in your walk that you're saying, I can't even tell another person. I'm ashamed of this. None of us are perfect. I don't want to make excuses either, but there is a growth in sanctification. All of us sin. My struggles and your struggles will not be identical, but we all have struggles. We all have things that we must put to death. It's a war, isn't it? 
And in a war, you can't play games with the enemy. You've got to cut it off at the source. Perhaps the source of your backsliding could be the internet. It could be something else. But the source of your change is God. And our final point, we're going to look at number five, the source of acceptance. The source of acceptance. We've got to also make sure that our change is not what makes us acceptable before God. Yes, God has changed us. We've been sanctified by the Spirit of God. But that's not what makes us acceptable before God. There's pitfalls everywhere, isn't it? In this way and that way, we think, okay, I've had a good day today, now I'm going to go before the Lord in prayer. Our acceptance before God is, as it tells us here in verse 2, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that our greatest deeds are but filthy rags. But we are as an unclean thing, and our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Isaiah 64, verse 6. Our standard, the best we can muster up, is going to be sinful. Now, this letter, as we said earlier, deals with a lot of suffering for God's people. And also deals with the need for believers to continue to suffer in a hostile world. But this reference to sprinkling of the blood makes us also think of the suffering of Christ. He died. He suffered. And he shed his blood for us. He suffered so that we would not have to suffer for all eternity in hell for our sins. He took our guilt, this innocent man, this righteous king, this spotless lamb of God. He took what we deserve. And through this blood, he washes us clean. Through this blood, he makes us pleasing before God. He, he also not only washes us, clothes us in his righteousness. This is the only reason we can stand before God. The change we've just talked about, the, the difference in our lives, our repentance from sin unto, to looking to God, this change in our lives, anything, any of the good fruit, none of it makes us accept, acceptable for God. Not any of it. It's the one who stands representing you before the Father is the reason we're acceptable before God. We are accepted in the beloved, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. We're accepted in Christ because of the sprinkling of this blood. This blood foreshadowed in the book of Exodus. And that book, when it was talking about it, this blood was talking about a ceremony and cleanliness. But this blood, and this picture, gives us a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ. It gives us a picture of the gospel. Another way of saying this, without the shedding of blood, dear friends, without the death of this beloved son, there is no acceptance before God. The death sentence hangs over all who do not have this blood. There is a need for the remission of sins. Without it, without this blood, there is no acceptance before God. 
He is the source of so many things and he's the source of our acceptance before God. We may read over this greeting and there's many greetings in many different epistles. We may read over them quickly and think, we read them quickly, don't we? And we maybe don't see much in them. But it's so often we should slow down in our reading of the, the word of God and to think of every word. As it finishes here at the end of the salutation, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Peace be multiplied. Grace unto you and all who are in Jesus Christ. Because our blessings come from God. If you have Jesus Christ, this describes you. It's given to all in Jesus Christ. And with the, with the knowledge of our blessings, where they come from, where the fountain of the living waters is, wouldn't we readily come? If we realize that in all the world there is nothing but desert and death and destruction and the lies of the enemy. But here in the scriptures, there's the fountain of living waters. There is the greatest refreshment. Will we not gladly serve? Will we not gladly look to him? Yes, for salvation, but also for our daily food. Give us this day our daily bread. It is right here. And it is a blessing. And it ought to be a joy to serve before him. And if you do not know him, dear friends... Come while there is time. He is calling you today to trust him, to look to him, that you may be blessed in him. Amen.